Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Incomparable, number 689, October 2023. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell. This episode is... Is it a draft? I mean... Is everything a draft when you think about it? It's not. It's sort of a pitch session more than that. We like to do this from time to time, just throwing out wacky ideas, just, you know, thinking about things. Now, in this case, with the uh, writer's strike settled, but the actor's strike still up in the air, a lot of projects have been put on hold or they've been delayed. And we thought this might be a fun time to talk about the future of one particular space-based franchise. In this case, not Star Wars, but Star Trek. And what they should do next. Now, I should say up front, Star Trek's got a bunch of shows that are currently on. They've also said that they're going to make a Starfleet Academy show. They have also said they're going to make a movie uh, with Michelle Yeoh as a, you know, spy or whatever. Um, we'll see how all that comes to fruition. But maybe we we uh, give them some ideas. These are free ideas. Um, uh, just things. Where do we want Star Trek maybe to try to go? In the future, we have some thoughts, and we're going to share them with you. And uh, I'm I'm joined by five wonderful people who are going to join me in pitching a couple ideas, just just spitballing here for where Star Trek might go in the future. It's just it's fun, and I'll introduce them in the order that they were selected by random.org. Random.org. We bring the random to you. That's its theme song. And Monty Ashley is first. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. Congratulations on being first. Thank you. I'm I'm very excited. Moises Chuyan also joins us. He will pick second. Hi, Moises. I, I ever ever since we decided to start doing more and more Star Trek episodes, uh, I have I've wanted one of these yes. uh, for longer than many other things. It's here because you asked for it. Honestly, you were like, hey, is it time to do that? And I thought, yeah, I think it is time to do that. And here we are. Joe Rosenstiel is also here. Hi, Joe. Hello. I didn't ask for it, but I like being here, too. Great. So, yeah. We didn't ask you to be here, but you're here. So <laughs> wow. welcome. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. David J. Lohr also wasn't asked to appear, but he he is appearing, too. Hi, David. Wagon Train to the Stars 2. Oh, I love it. That's going to huh? be great. Let's huh? do it. Let's right? do it. Can't see. wait to see who's in the wagon. And who's, Heather Bermond is here. Uh, hello. Welcome to this, the madness of this. Oh my God. I'm so excited. It's like Star Trek fan fiction. I'm so excited. It is. By couching it as a pitch, we aren't writing the fan fiction. We're just saying, you know, we're, we have, we have great, let's just be blunt here. Great ideas. And this way, the best place for these great ideas for a a multi-million dollar uh, science fiction franchise is on a podcast. We think, we think. 
And that's why we do it the way we do it. Um, so what is in the future? Well, technically, all of Star Trek is in the future. But what's in the future of Star Trek? Uh, let's get it started with Monty Ashley. Monty, pitch me a new Star Trek. Okay. You know how people love it when comic book characters swear? Harley Quinn, the boys, the Invincibles, take something that was originally for children and make it filthy and people will line up around the block. So I'm proposing an R-rated Star Trek. This Star Trek gets nasty, okay? It will make you feel uncomfortable. We're going to see parts of aliens we normally do not. CGI will be employed. (laughs) But our market research suggests that there's actually a pretty big audience for Star Trek characters doing all sorts of things you normally would not depict on camera. It's called Star Trek Alternate Universe, and the first season is all adaptations of classic fanfic. Going forward, the writing staff all comes from the world of fanfic, because they know the characters, if you'll pardon the expression, inside and out. (laughs) We're finally giving the fans what they want. The crew includes alternate universe versions of every character for every crew, right? So we can go Kirk Spock one week and insert modern reference the next. Also, there's an original character named Lieutenant Mary Sue. What do you mm. think? Um, might be a little close to what Quentin Tarantino was going to make, <laughs> but that's not bad. He, for for those who don't know, that was his pitch was I'm going to do an R-rated Star Trek with with space gangsters. Maybe that's just the first half of the pitch. You got to respond to the part after the turn. Ah. coming from Monty. Coming from Monty, I love the idea. Coming from yes. Quentin Tarantino, less so. Yes, agreed. Yes. Well, this is a series instead of a movie. It's sort of fan fiction and alternate universe we don't have to worry about the canon that's right we don't we can just say here is a classic work of kirk spock fan fiction Mm -hmm. from like 1969 we're going to put it on screen finally the way people meant to see it yeah let me let me yes and this with with a plum you know what if dr Bashir did do what garrick wanted and just run off with him and just you know make a make a a a, a star tripping love affair across uh, the stars sure. uh, every fifth know. episode and not actually star trek it's all based in a coffee house you, oh, could, you could just do a, a, a version of it that's an anthology called star trek slash mm. i mean all those coffee shop scenes from fraser but with the same actors from fraser as star trek characters actually what i'm thinking mm. is picking up on David's proposal, I'd say that if it's going to be that the Star Trek slash anthology, then every episode should begin with a character receiving a letter of some sort. I'm thinking maybe like a David Duchovny type, but a Bajoran. And he gets a letter that begins to describe a story and, and then we dissolve and we... It's the, it's the Vulcan... <laughs> Vulcan shoe, shoe diaries? diaries? I don't know. Dear, dear oh, Starfleet Forum, I never thought this would happen to me. There's a market for it. Yeah. All I'm saying. Okay. Oh, All right. There totally is. I love yeah. it. I love it. Um, any other thoughts about, about Monty's uh, first pitch before we move on? I was strong. just knowing how many Star Trek burlesque shows there are out there. This is a winner. It's strong. For, for, for those who don't feel like we got enough Klingon intrigue in the early seasons of Discovery, <laughs> here's where it is. Yeah. It just all goes there. Sure. Why not? And I say that as somebody who liked all that stuff. All right. Moises, you're up. Well, Jason, one of the things that goes really, really well on streaming are workplace comedies. And I mean, we got a bit of a workplace comedy already in the, in the animated realm on Lower Decks. We, we've already got something like that. 
Um, the showrunner of that has said, oh, we're definitely going to a season five. We don't know what the future is beyond that. Even if, let's say, Star Trek Lower Decks goes 10 seasons, I feel like I feel like we can still have a little more fun in the workplace that is Starfleet. And uh, and so I would propose Star Trek Sector 001 focusing on the people who work within Starfleet headquarters who have to deal with the fact that suddenly there's a big peace negotiation with the Klingons and the Romulans that is all happening on Earth at Starfleet headquarters or who have to deal with traveling dignitaries or have to deal with, oh, uh, and not to spoil anything for anybody, but let's say, for example, um, something something uh, along the lines of a thing that happens in, in Picard season three happens where there's a, a big, fancy pomp and circumstance parade of a, of a legendary ship that, mm-hmm. that that's uh, that's set to go on. There are people who have to coordinate those events. There are people who have to plan that stuff and make sure that Admiral so-and-so is happy and Captain so-and-so is happy and Captain so-and-so's cousin uh, twice Nepotism removed. Nepotism all over the place in this federation, I tell you. Exactly. It, th- there are all of these egos that have to be appeased and and there are thankless jobs that people have to do to keep all those egos uh, you know, just just at an even keel. Mm-hmm. So, so I would propose uh, something of like the the Starfleet Hospitality Division, Human Resources, kind of a, an intermix of that sort of thing, who who are given the thankless task of uh, Admiral Ego Trip is on their way back from deep space, and it's time for them to be fed. And yes, we know they're a jerk, and yes, we know that they have very specific dietary uh, requests, not requirements, not allergies, but requests ah, because yes. they only like pasta and cheese, um, and so. They, they need to make sure that nothing is replicated that isn't pasta and cheese, you know, within two star sectors. Um, I, I feel like th- there is an opportunity to play with what it's like when suddenly something has to go to sector zero, zero one, because we've, we've gone there in various shows. We've seen various things that suddenly have to happen at a moment's notice in something that looks like uh, a double tree conference room, you know, in a star <laughs> Trek, uh, TOS movie. Um, who is it that is making sure that those play settings are correct and that we replicate exactly the right kind of crystal uh, uh, for, for such an event? So Moises, is this more like Veep or Party Down? It's like, I was going to say it's Party Down for Star it's Trek. It's a little both. It's both. Well, Joe, oh, man, why well, can't Joe my, answer to, my answer to you is yes. Oh. Uh, it, is, <laughs> it, it, is, it is Veep and Party Down with a little bit of Parks and Rec. Just a little bit of Parks and Rec. A dash of Madam Secretary, too. I have How to say. competent yes. are oh, yeah. Madam Secretary? Yeah, totally. Underappreciated How competent joke. are these people? Are they Parks and Rec competence or Veep competence? <laughs> I would I would argue that I would argue that the people in both of those shows are very competent, but they're beset upon by impossible circumstances. So it's a matter of whether their competence is able to rise to the impossible standards that the top brass uh, sets upon them. That's that's what it is. Monty, I would say they're Star Trek competent, which means yeah, that in the context a- of the show, they are competent. But the viewers at home will say, why are they doing that? <laughs> Well, because Star Trek competence that, would mean they'll be like, I can't prepare this party. It would take me six hours. You've got two hours. Fine. And then they do it. Oh, uh, right? that's true. That's true. That's why Scotty is uh, the best party planner. That's yeah. Right. And you, you, you don't you don't have just the right kind of whiskey available and the incredibly well 
uh, awarded admiral is displeased because the very specific whiskey that he specifically wanted from one particular place oh, in man. Scotland was not made available, and he's very upset, and it it uh, it's, it it causes a whole thing. Star Trek party, and he's party he's played now. by Nick Offerman slash Veep. This yeah, I um I'm coming around. I'm getting the tone. I like it. Very nice. Uh, Joe, what do you have for us? I was worried that my pitch would be sniped because of the introduction that Moises had uh, mentioning Lower Decks. And my first pitch here is how great was Lower Decks live action on Strange Mm -hmm. New Worlds? And wouldn't it be great if we had Star Trek Lower Decks live action set after the events of the cartoon Mm -hmm. uh, where Jack Quaid and Tawny Newsom are uh, their characters in charge of a ship. It doesn't necessarily need to be the Cerritos, but they the roles are now reversed where they're the ones trying to uh, inspire these live action ensigns and stuff Mm -hmm. uh, in, in that kind of environment. But in the fun live action Strange New Worlds way. Yeah, that tone. I like it. I had a very similar pitch that was probably not going to make my list, but I'm going to throw it in here because it's basically what you just did. I called it beta shift. And the idea was that it's when Lower Decks is over, they do a live action show with the Lower Decks characters because, yes, I'm with you, Joe. Get that vibe back and have it be, yeah, that they're not running like they're beta shift right they're they're sitting in the the captain is gonna go like do a i don't know concert or something or play in the holodeck where they're gonna be a detective and who sits in the center seat right okay well um you know the first officer is probably there during alpha shift so anyway it's the people who are like running the night shift or whatever so they're more responsible but not that responsible and they're also mentoring younger people would that be the first star trek captain who's a bum I don't know where, where it's like th- this is the this is the second string captain that you know when when the stuff really starts to go down they call in the alpha shift and they're like okay uh yeah to yeah. your quarters we're, we're good yeah it's because we always just see the one crew that's like the best of the best and they're on whenever there's a problem and they're the, they're basically alpha shift because they don't generally do it where it, other than data because data doesn't sleep but like it's the idea is like it's not like picard is there eight hours riker's there eight hours and then data's there eight hours right they have they 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 Oh, the overnight shift, it's quieter. And if there's a problem, they wake up Captain Picard and he comes to the bridge in his, in his pajamas, right? Like that's that's what happens. But Monty, to answer your point, you know, every one of these Star Trek captains has a hobby, right? They try to say like, oh, but, but what are they like when they're not a captain? And the answer may be, you oh. know, Jim Jim Kirk is eating foam blocks and drinking Saurian brandy. <laughs> Picard's like, again, again no, no, a detective no, no. Jim, or riding Jim a Kirk, horse. Jim Kirk rides know. horses as we very, very vividly well, got that, in Star Trek. Yeah, but on the Enterprise, so maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, and Picard on yeah. the Enterprise, maybe not not so much. But so anyway, yeah, they're they're doing their hobby, and then like it's like, do we call the captain? Would be part of it uh, anyway. That that was what I was thinking, Joe. But it's the same the same fundamental impulse going on there, which is would that that lower decks episode of Strange New Worlds was real good. Um, could we do that some more? Yeah, right. here's my my only note, Joe, is that I would definitely include Noel Wells and Eugene Cordero, who I missed yeah. not oh, getting yeah. to see in live action because the, both of them are hilarious and great, uh, fantastic performers, and uh, and I, I wish, I, I hope, I would hope that that one crossover episode uh, validated the idea of of bringing these characters into live action, such that we got to see, you know, the core four. I think uh, they the started with four. the. I think they started with the guys that looked most like their characters. Because Eugene is buff, 
right? Yeah. <laughs> Completely ripped. Uh, and, and Noel, they would have to do a bunch of body paint stuff. Yes. And that's, that's so much fun. But I think they were uh, having, it was so successful that it would, would not surprise me if they go back to that well and that that would be the next step would be to have them all. And uh, Tawny Newsome is, is writing on Star Trek, you know, Starfleet Academy. That's so true. also true, you know, or they maybe like they'll folks. bring strange new worlds into the cartooniverse more, much more fully than just the epilogue. Mm, that would be fun be too. Next step as well. Yeah. Love it. All right. That was great, Joe. And, and yeah, you snipe me, but it's okay. Cause I just, it's not a draft. I just get to agree with you. Violently agree. Yes. Great pick. Great choice. Uh, David, it's your turn. Well, you know, I got to thinking, uh, Gene Roddenberry originally pitched the show using a Western popular Western at the time wagon train to the stars mm-hmm. when they brought it back, when they did the next generation. Well, it's the same show. Basically, it's the same concept. So Deep Space Nine was the first time they really did something different in Star Trek. And the smartest thing they did in pitching it was to say, well, that was Wagon Train. This is Gunsmoke. Um, so I started thinking about other Westerns. And uh, Gene Roddenberry actually wrote about 24 episodes of Have Gun, Will Travel, which got oh, me thinking. Wow. Right? And then, and then... I got to thinking no about one knows that show. <laughs> what, uh, what is something I, I'm mostly amused because this is the most David turn that David <laughs> Lord could possibly oh, take. Go on, go three shows deeper. We haven't yeah. even started. Um, and then on James Garner's nickels. <laughs> Funny. You should mention James Garner. Cause I worked oh, Maverick God. into this too. <laughs> nice. So I'm in. what is, what is something okay. that every Star Trek show has been about? Starfleet. Let's do something that isn't just Starfleet. I want to do a show about the Fenris Rangers that we met in Star Trek Picard. Mm. And imagine this cold opening. You have this very Western kind of set piece and someone is rescued. But of course, it's on an alien landscape. And, and there is a, a, a blonde woman who has just saved the day. And, you know, who are you? Why, where did you come from? Are you Starfleet? No, I'm not Starfleet. And she hands over a card. You're a Fenris Ranger. Who are you? Have Phaser will travel. Kestra Troy Riker, ah. who has left Starfleet Academy. Smash cut to the opening credits. Star Trek Borderlands. And Ooh. each episode wouldn't necessarily be the same lead character. You'd, you'd alternate kind of like they did on Maverick. You'd get a little variety of styles, but you'd get all these kind of Western styles. And it builds to a, a, an overarching story where the Rangers have to come together to stop something. And Starfleet isn't sure they want the Rangers doing this. So who do they send in to stop them? The Enterprise G led by Seven of Nine. And there's your conflict is, will Seven, as a former Fenris Ranger, stop them or empathize with them? Mm. Maybe Starfleet doesn't have all the details. Maybe. They work together. And, and yeah, the more, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I want to see this show. I want to see a Western in, in Star Trek clothes. It's cosplay. 
Yeah, I like so, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's Star Trek clothes. I watch that. We call that we call that cosplay now, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> I love it. Or even even Firefly in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Look, you know, you you take a character like Vosh, who was kind of set up as this sort of like one of various completely discarded. Star Trek Western trope characters that they mm-hmm. didn't do anything with. Just pick up something with one of them and do something like she's that. she's very much like a recurring character on Maverick, believe it or not. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's why, why I not? brought her up. I'd, as, I'd love as to the see Larry care the most about Maverick on this recording right, right? now. And yeah. And this is why I said this is the most Moisesiest idea I had. Uh, yeah. No, I, I see? like you know, you, see? you, you, you bring when when the lead actor doesn't want to keep doing it for reduced wages, you bring in their cousin and yeah. just change the letters around yeah, you, in the name, and it's you rotate you know, it's it effectively the same character. You know, but I love the idea of of having Kestra as as the sort of the central character and being like, how did how did she get from going off to Starfleet Academy supposedly in season three? How did she get from there to being a Fenris Ranger? And how does how does she and Seven of Nine connect? Well. This has a lot to play with there. Right? Okay, cool. Thank you, David. Dave, David's check from Terry Metalis is cleared. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually want to see Star Trek Legacy. Yeah, that's the, that's the um, problem. I was going to say, a lot of my pitches <laughs> over the last few years, whenever we talk about the future of Star Trek, have been like Star Trek third generation, where we go on the Enterprise and all that. It's like, well, wait a second. We, we have an Enterprise show at with Strange New Worlds, yeah. and we also have Terry Metalis saying he wants to make the follow-on to Picard, which would also be an Enterprise show. And so I, I actually, that made me think this is a good time for us to talk about the future of Star Trek, because it feels like the obvious Star Trek show is being made at least once right now. And so and like this is else. literally a concept we haven't done. I mean, yep. Deep Space Nine is the closest to it because it wasn't always entirely starfleet but it was well, deep space nine was the frontier show it was the frontier yeah. of space you yeah know? it was it was Gunsmoke. it was casablanca yeah um it was kind of yellowstone even though that didn't exist at the time oh at deadwood deadwood's cooler at deadwood yeah yeah yeah, yeah. let's Dead, go to that deadwood deadwood without the nudity and cursing or <laughs> and if you know. the town was really just a strip mall yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right thank but you cool david he- heather uh Here. You, you random.org placed your fifth, but are you getting, you getting a sense now? Cause you haven't done one of these before you get in the sense. I haven't, like. I haven't done one of these. I approach this super differently. Cause I tend to, I thought of the characters that I really like oh, nice. as opposed to these very broad stroke concepts, which I'm really enjoying. I hope someone picks up on this, makes all of these cause they sound kind of amazing. Well, I'm not, not sure. So sure about the rated R, but I'd give it a shot for sure. Monty, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um so I thought of characters more than big concepts. Uh I'm not sure which to pitch first, but I think I'll go in a different direction than where we've been. Uh so I love the trill uh oh. very much and uh you know the trill have these amazing lives, uh, all these different lives. They're uh, you know, I'm primarily a Hoovian, though I was a truck a Trekkie first and then discovered who late in life, but so there's some similarity there, I'm sure. Uh, but I uh, think we could follow the complete life of a trill. Could be the lives of Dax. Could be, could be a new trill that you know um, encounters canon and has new adventures. But I think it'd be pretty awesome to get to see the lifespan of a trill, and I think it'd be really rich and robust 
to see them move through uh, Alpha Quadrant and other quadrants that they may live in and uh, have these great adventures. I mean, we know that uh, Dax had uh, rich adventures with Sitsko and I don't know, I just think it would be uh, to center the to center a series around a particular character as opposed to a setting would be really fun. Here's what I love the most about this is that usually with Star Trek to show different eras of Trek, you know, the TOS uniform era, the TNG, the far future, all that kind of stuff. All of it requires time travel. And in this, the time travel is the natural progression of time along exactly. one person's yeah. right, existence. With the yeah. character, right? Beautiful. I, it's I such a great idea. I was going to say one of the things I really loved about Lost was that the way they structured it and like everybody forget about complaining that they made things up. Like the thing that I loved <laughs> about that show was um, you would get those flashbacks within the episode. And the whole idea was, why is this person the way they are now? And the flashback would tell a different but linked story that would be like, oh, that's why this person is like this now. And I thought when done well, it was a beautiful piece of work. And I and I immediately flashed to that for this pitch, Heather, the idea that you could actually tell a story that was in a present tense of a particular life of the trill and be informed by some past life that they had just as one way of structuring some of it. But like, I love, I love this idea. The idea that like what Moises said, it isn't time travel. It's all just all eras of Star Trek are encompassed by the life of this one particular trill and its various hosts. That's a really cool idea. It's like Highlander, the series, which did, <laughs> yeah, did yeah, a very yeah. same, similar thing where it would hmm. flash back to sometime in the last 500 years, right? For a story that would parallel what he's going through today. I love it. That's yeah, and it could be idea. it could be written it could be done chronologically or the character could be facing some current whatever that requires visitation, memory, whatever, back to previous lives. But um and also it would oh, allow a, us a recurring to, story or, or resonances yeah. or connections yeah. that way. But it would also give us opportunities to and give provide background to other Star Trek characters right. or time periods that we haven't had an opportunity to have insight into because that character was there at that, you know, was part of that person's lives, life or that there in that moment. So, yeah. Just, I mean, think of the potential cameos. Right? Uh, I think the potential cameos are great. And I like this idea because it doesn't involve any time travel. <laughs> there was yeah. a, an idea I've had, I'm sure many people have had of like doing an anthology where you can skip through the timeline or like you have the crew of the relativity and they jump around through the timeline doing something just so we can go visit all the time periods. But with this, there's no time travel. It's just all her, their memories um, throughout the periods of time. Um, so I think that's a much more effective storytelling device. I really like it, Heather. I mean, that, that was kind of the way I, I structured an anthology pitch back in 1998 in the old days where where the idea would have been uh kind of like the show wise guy where you um decided you were going to do three arcs over the course of a season and thinking in terms of like the 22 episode season and that way you could have three time periods um you'd amortize set costs and costume right. costs because you know you had to build it all and basically Without actually being an anthology series, that's kind of what we have now. Because we just have, oh, well, here's the season of Picard. Right. And here's the season of Strange New Worlds. And here's the season of Lower Decks. And I'm just like, oh, it's just not under an umbrella well, title. Awesome. Heather, you mentioned that you're a Doctor Who fan. And one of the things that I like about 
this lives of a trill, many lives of a trill, whatever we want to call it, um, is that I always, when I talk about Doctor Who, what I always say is the brilliant concept in Doctor Who is it's an anthology show with a with a recurring cast, right? The The recurring cast drops into an episode of an anthology show. And there are, there are other examples of that. That's your prison or your, uh, your, uh, incredible Hulk, your quantum leap. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's a really nice concept because you don't have to get up to speed with every character and then leave them at the end. You've got that through line and you've got the characters that you care about or character. And I like that while still being able to tell all sorts of different stories. Really nice idea. And, and I already see a, a really interesting story here. That might involve time travel, but not, it wouldn't be the conceit of the series because you have them remembering a a moment with one of our classic characters and looking and seeing another Trek character and thinking they don't belong belong there. That would be in my memory. They don't belong here. And so that becomes part of the mystery. Yeah. 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 Somebody, somebody replicated just the wrong variant of the uniform that wasn't in use in 2375 or whatever it was. Something like Uh, that. Yeah. That that I can dig. Uh, The, the, the cameo opportunities, I think it's interesting that, you know, whatever they end up doing with 25th century, whatever, whatever, there are various actors who are still around, still with us who may not necessarily be part of those kinds of plans. So I would love, you know, I would love an extended arc with knowing the canon that, at, you know, for, for a certain length of time, uh, Starfleet didn't, didn't know the trill were the trill and worked the way that the trill do. Um, there's a certain amount of time during this person's life that they were, they were living in hiding, um, in plain sight. Mm. And, you know, why not give them an extended arc where they were, you know, best friends with Hoshi Sato or, you know, just exactly. various other characters and just Hoshi interact Shato. with people. <laughs> but they could be the character if we wanted to, you know, yeah. if we wanted. Yeah cool idea like yeah. yeah there 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 are a lot of different opportunities that existing templates for how they do shows just don't don't play with this kind of stuff all right so when i was thinking about this i my approach was to start with what are successful kinds of tv shows because i think that one way into this is uh, and we've heard a little of it already is sort of like, what is a genre of show that exists that is not Star Trek, but could it be Star Trek, right? And there, there are obviously, you can make lots of jokes, although I think that a lot of genres could very easily be Star Trek. The one that I landed on, and the name is a little, uh, a little jokey, but I'm actually serious about the concept, is Starfleet Medical. Ah! And okay. Ooh, I love it. That's so good. Jason, are you telling me that if you took ER and Star Trek and mixed them into a bowl, yeah. that they could be a it, thing? It could be. You'd it get could mercy be point. Well, Dave, D- David, you, could, you can jump in here too um, <laughs> if you've got things to add. But like, I, oh, yeah. what I decided to uh, with this is that it might work best as a medical ship because we know they have those mm-hmm. in Starfleet. They are the specialists. So they can get called in again, because what you want is a regular crew and and for it to be Star Trek, it helps if it's a regular crew on a ship. So you've got the ship, but it's a medical ship and they're the medical experts and they're sent to the 
it could be something that is stirred up by another ship and it's like captain's log we got called in because there's this thing that they don't know how to solve it could be uh on the frontier an, an outbreak uh, yeah there's an outbreak on a on a on a planet and we don't know what it is and it's just colonists or whatever it could be as so it can be as i think a show with this concept could be as Star Trekky as any other in terms of it being a story of the week or a small story arc about a particular thing. But you get it from the perspective of life or death, life or death stakes. Obviously, it's a starship and it's Starfleet people. So, you know, you can tell stories where it's like, oh, you know, we're just here to help. But now we have to fire our phasers because we're in trouble, right? There, there's all sorts of stories you can tell that are Star Trekky, but I like the idea of having it be. Um, so imagine for, for ER, like imagine if that was a the, the hospital in ER was a spaceship. I know. Did Somebody I just gets killed by a shuttlecraft instead of a helicopter. Exactly. It That's drops right. right on him, and he already had a missing arm, and now there's anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, so Starfleet Medical. That's my idea. Is is basically it's a, a an interesting team of characters led by a wise doctor who is the the captain, and they are and they are scientists too, right? So you got a little. I, I'm going to say a little CSI kind of angle as well here, where you've got you've got these people who are who are trained to be able to to solve. All these problems and again of all the genres i i rifled through while thinking of a star trek i i kept i because I, I thought of a lot of them and i think that they're interesting ones but this one i thought like i don't see how this wouldn't be star trek right it's just from a different angle where you're trying to save people's lives and all the drama the life or death drama inherent in a medical drama plus star trek so that's my very very slight pitch for starfleet medical look at look at some of the some of the best stuff that you that you had in this most recent season of strange new worlds where you're seeing the triage where for once the medical professionals aren't for plot purposes being dr crushered in the early seasons of tng where right. she was made to carry the idiot ball because somebody needed to where even though she was allegedly supposed to be a good enough doctor to be in charge of the medical department on the the federation flagship because of a bunch of misogynist jerks in the writers room she was just you know the the, the role of the of the doctor on the ship w- was kind of screwed up uh back in in that phase of things and then things got weird things were weird even on deep space 9 and voyager um i i love that we have restored medical professionals deserve their due yeah. and are incredibly talented incredibly brilliant people and and I, I think this goes to that is celebrating um the first responders of the ship the people that are there exactly. to triage so those kinds of it, situations it's also it's also chicago med and chicago fire and chicago ambulance <laughs> and chicago it's all the chicago's chicago, too uh, throw them in squad. there yeah. they're very popular too this is almost exactly what i had written down as as one of my second pitches. I, I have a couple of second pitches, so now I know. I which wasn't one worried I'm about go you, David. With. I know you got no, some I'm in your back pocket. <laughs> but but what I but what I had was, you know, I was again thinking, what is a what is a genre we haven't seen in Star Trek? Totally a medical show. I had ER plus CSI because you have you have to plus investigate. China Beach. Plus China Beach. Sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? And I thought, you know, if you had it. You could set it in multiple eras, too, so that you could have a, a story, you know, we, we don't always solve the thing in one day or one week. You know, what if you have this medical mystery that kind of crosses eras? Right. You have a, one of those or eras, a flashback or something or like that. Or a flashback. Yeah. One of those eras would be between the original series and the next generation where this unit is run by Joanna McCoy, who sure. is 
the supposed daughter of McCoy. Um, I, 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 mine is named Star Trek Caduceus, which is named for the, the little uh, intertwined snake symbol of the mm-hmm. medical profession. But that would be the name of the ship, the Caduceus. And it's, it's got a really good Star Trek sound to it. I do think that if you gave House MD a tricorder, every episode would be five minutes long. <laughs> no, right. well, first he'd be like, are we sure it's not lupus? Yes. Yeah. Lupus is, is lupus? scanned immediately. It could be lupus. Lieutenant, scan for lupus. Yeah. <laughs> and then we go setting on the machines at this point. Yeah. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. That's one round, but we've got another round. So hooray for that. Let's begin round two. Monty. Okay. You know those History Channel shows like Modern Marvels, where they have somebody standing inside a dam, and then they spend an hour giving you a (laughs) tour of the dam and showing you a video of historical dams. It's all pretty soothing stuff. Like if you're in a hotel room, say. Mm -hmm. I want one of those set in the world of Star Trek. For example, an episode on the history of the Jeffries tube. The host opens inside the most modern Jeffries tube, then throws to a segment on the creator of the Jeffries tube. Then basically, we just look at Jeffries tube footage from different series while somebody reads out the memory alpha entry. The thing is, narrative is fun, and it for sure has its place. But for a certain segment of the audience, let's say people who bought the blueprints, I think a show that patiently gives us a close-up tour of the sets would be a lot of fun. Because what this show really is, here's the turn on this one, is an excuse to show off the production design throughout the years. Who doesn't want a historical retrospective on warp cores, right? Fictional or not, those things always look cool as heck, and I would like to get a good look at them without the actors getting in the way. (laughs) It's called Star Trek Future Marvels. Go. Your your host (laughs) is Commander Okuda. Sure. Well, t- no, t- take my money now to constantly cut to Mike Okuda explaining what Tritanium is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll have Jonathan Frakes host it, though, because then he can do is his it, thing. Is it real? Yeah, yeah yes. that's right. Warp drives. Are they real or were they fictional? Well, they were they were fictional. But anyway, here, let's, let's talk to Mike Okuda. Yeah. I love that, Monty. <laughs> I love that idea of uh, can we make a docu-series about the rich tapestry of Star Trek? And I think the answer is yes, we we totally could. And why consign that to just like DVD extras when it could actually be like a really entertaining uh, thing that you watch while you're, you know, folding laundry and it's a rainy day. There's enough shows on Paramount Plus right now and other networks, I guess, because um, that one went somewhere else. I wasn't right. really Netflix. Attention. Right. Yeah, uh, but there's so much Star Trek right now. It's time to start getting away from the thrust of the series and just, like you said, DVD extras, but as a series. Yeah, I like and it. And eventually, you know, if if you follow the arc of of channels like that, you might eventually get to like the Star Trek version of Ice Road Truckers. How about a uh, How about one of those where they have to fix up an old starship and make it cool? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and there's yeah. the one. 
the bad jobs, the crazy jobs that are terrible. That yeah. dirty jobs. In the yeah. Star- yeah, dirty jobs yeah. in Star Trek universe. Star yeah. Trek yeah. Iron Chef. Well, the advantage my idea has is that all of the footage has already been shot. Right. That's true. <laughs> yeah. We're we're taking to the next level of are there some other kind of reality kind of concepts? Like I was thinking of all the people yeah. who built those Star TOS Trek sets. Big Brother. And, in various places, and it's like Desperate housewives, a Vulcan, whatever. You know. Yeah, like a like a prop design or set design, like a competition where people have to design a prop or design a set or build a prop or whatever, and then it's it's uh, like a one of those kind of shows. Well, one know. of my pitches Maybe. was just to face off again. Yeah, <laughs> like you could have <laughs> Michael Westmore, yeah. a legendary Star Trek creature designer, as the mentor and everything. Yeah. It's right just, there. Just toss in a Star Trek theme, tenuous enough that it counts. You know, and you're like, yeah, okay, we did it. It's Star Trek edition, a face-off. Yeah. It works. Love it. It it would be much more entertaining watching, you know, the craftspeople doing all of that work, talking in character like people. You know, the Jeffries Tubes were named after a dude whose last name was Jeffries. Yeah, Matt Jeffries. Giving giving them the the in front of the camera spotlight that they don't get even though uh-huh. yes people like us do watch the featurettes and everything fine yeah. just make them part of the fabric of the show love it yeah i want somebody to turn to the camera and explain why the jeffrey's tube exists i don't care <laughs> if it's 48 minutes of pure techno babble yeah. that's what i want <laughs> yeah and i think a lot of the audience does too that was so here's how turbo lifts work <laughs> Get Dave Blast to explain the the futuristic fibers of the carpeting on the Enterprise D. Yeah, people have already done the work to justify this stuff. Yeah, let's put it in there. Moises, it's your turn. What do you have? Uh, I think it's uh, it, it's it's very fitting that uh, a minute a few minutes ago, Jason mentioned you know the the hobbies that captains have. We're talking about the inner lives of people. There's there's dozens of different ways to do a version of oh, it's a ship and they're going out and they're exploring stuff and they're facing different adversity and that sort of thing. Star Trek Picard got me thinking about what would happen if like a notable Star Trek captain went into retirement and there wasn't a thing out of out in space that took them out of retirement that only they could help stop that they had to go out in space and come out of retirement and go fix. What if they were just allowed to retire and have an interest in something like maybe an earth sport that has fallen by the wayside that they want to revive and they want to use as a tool of diplomacy and they want to try to develop something of an intergalactic sports league. I love it. Among Klingons, Mm -hmm. Vulcans, Romulans, the sport, obviously I would go football, soccer to some people. Um, Maybe it could be baseball. Talk talk to Captain Archer. Uh, It's water polo. Talk to Captain Archer. It's water polo. (laughs) There, these captains, pickleball, it could be pickleball. It could be pickleball. Right. Star Trek Starballs. That's what it is. It's <laughs> it's it's sports ball it's sports ball among the stars. That's what we need is somebody who has the least visibly important mission. It's not it's not like an urgent suing for peace. It's not a oh no, if we don't broker this peace with the Dominion or the the Andorians or whatever. It, it's you know what? Why don't we just enact a long-term plan to try to to try to build some bridges with the Tellarites and the uh, Ferengi and the you know whoever else? I I love the idea of a captain being given a bunch of people who maybe washed out, maybe aren't great on the front lines, are not flagship crew. They aren't even lower decks level material, but they're people that have to have jobs somewhere in this uh, this theoretically perfect socialist utopia that we live in in the future. Why don't we uh, make a retired captain in Starfleet the commissioner of a sport 
that they try to make a thing intergalactically. Are you sure Bend this like Picard? Are you sure this isn't a show about an Earth sport coach who is sent out into the stars to become a Parisi Squares coach, oh, and he no. knows nothing be. about the oh, show. It could be. It could be. Hey, here's the thing. Sounds I don't, familiar. I don't, I, I, d- I don't know what um, kind of baseball the Klingons want to play, but maybe Klingon baseball is the thing that catches maybe. them. Death to the Opposition could be the name of the show. Death to yeah, the Opposition. Yeah, he didn't look like he was into baseball at all. <laughs> no. They would they would kill the base, murder the baseballs. But so, yes. So basically, a sport narrative in Star Trek form. Star Trek Star Why Balls. not? Why not? And and, and it could, it, you know, you, you could you could go even from a different angle. It could be uh, the, the uh, Hank Azaria show, the... Um, uh, Brockmire, Brock, Brock you, know, you know, it could be, uh, you know, maybe they're not a natural coach, but this particular captain, they just, the, you know, the, the coaching, anybody can do that. But the commentating, I'm now th- that. I'm thinking kind of an underdog story, kind of a Rudy, but for Star yeah. Trek. <laughs> Star Trek Hoosiers. <laughs> yeah. A, a, a Ferengi, right? Gets into the big leagues. How? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might be a little big league. Is that the one mm. where the kid broke yeah. his arm? Yeah, a little big league. Sure. Sure. Actually, how about there's there's an episode where they hit they hit the ball and it goes into the neutral zone. Oh no. <laughs> how are they gonna get it back? I don't Jason? know how they're gonna get it Who back. Gets it's to field it. It's, it's the and there's a, like a Romulan over there and it's like like a, a giant space dog. The, yeah. the tractor beam's broken. Oh you no. You can even have a, an an arc like Air Bud, except it's a Klingon Targ. Oh uh, I think oh. you meant a bark like air bud there's a b at the beginning of that word <laughs> story bark yes wow yeah okay so moise says basically we're 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 just chiming in to say <laughs> star trek all the sports things trek balls star trek, trek balls. balls trek balls trek balls okay <laughs> uh, yes Yes. Joe, what do you have? <laughs> did you did you see that one coming? I <laughs> all of soccer, Moises. It was, it was all, a curveball. All of soccer. It, uh I I really like uh Monty's idea of doing something ancillary that uses all of the amazing material that already exists out there because Paramount, as we all know, is poor. Um and I really <laughs> yeah. think that one of the ways that we could do that is to convince people to be interested in some of the classic episodes um that currently might be surfaced if you're watching strange new worlds and you want to see what they're referencing or something like that and so you you look it up or you uh watch something in the ready room unfortunately and you could instead have a show that's just about recapping the old episodes um like drunk history does um there is a great episode of drunk history that made me think of this with uh ashley nicole black where she's talking about nichelle nichols uh with uh raven simone playing nichelle um and I kind of want that sort of vibe of someone doesn't necessarily need to be drunk, but someone who is incoherently explaining old Star Trek episodes while they do a really cheesy, very thrifty production of that thing on the cheap that they're explaining. This is brilliant. God, I love this. It's so good. Because like it, it's it's almost something that, that could fit. I mean, the the waste of it would be making it one single episode of Lower Decks where they are drunkenly in their ship lounge describing, you know, previous like uh, things. But I, I think that there 
there there is a there is a cast of folks who get trashed while in their off hours who just they talk about the the wonders and amazing heights that um that other <laughs> casts of starships have gotten to that they could never aspire to and joe the the drunk history angle what i what i find fascinating too is that we know that star trek fans really care about like precision and and canon and things like that so just having people recount stories from star trek and not quite do it right whether they're drunk or not and then having that dramatized is gonna drive some people totally bananas but (laughs) is gonna be incredibly like if you do it right incredibly funny like star trek sketches on saturday night live funny like just great it's the version of recasting Kirk that that, you know, people shouldn't be able to really complain about. It's like we're not casting it this way to be to to be to be exactly perfect and authentic. We're casting it this way to be funny. Yeah. yeah. We're casting this guy yeah. to portray Kirk, not I, to I'm, be Kirk. Exactly. I'm reminded of there's a random Trek episode where sorry sorry, uh, Lex, but I, I believe Lex watches an episode of Enterprise and is very confused and thinks that Vulcans <laughs> may be robots. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that would be really right. Like, just get it a little bit wrong and then just go with it. And like, yep, they're robots. All right. That's what they are. Let's see what As happens. As we know. I love it. As we know. I actually, I like this idea, not just for Star Trek, by the way. This would be hilarious on Gilligan's Island as well. Oh, yeah. Sure. Funkily describes an episode and somebody reacts it. Sounds funny. Yeah. It sounds really funny. Uh, and also lower again, lower budget because, as Joe pointed out, quite rightly, Paramount is poor. Um, look, they're going to sell it eventually. Sherry Redstone will sell it eventually, um, but until then, here we are. Great pitch, Joe. David, what do you have? Well, you know, if you've listened to the show, uh, you know that I love heists. You know that I love espionage. Um. And yes, they are doing a Section 31 show or movie. I'm not really interested in Section 31. I could really care less about Section 31. What I'd like to see harkens back to another classic show that Gene Kuhn left Star Trek to, to go and produce. Uh, and he, he wrote episodes for the third season under a pen name because he wasn't allowed to moonlight. Um, he went off to make the show It Takes a Thief where you had a cat burglar pressed into service working for the CIA Mm. as a spy. Um, And I thought, well, who do we have in Star Trek that would be interesting? Who is a character that I haven't always liked, but they've rejuvenated in the Discovery Strange New Worlds era? I'd like to see Rain Wilson as Harry Mudd, forced Mm. to be a good guy, but always looking for the way to be a bad guy. And you team him up with someone who just, he's got him under his thumb. And uh, I don't really have a name for it, but I, I kind of like it treks a thief because, you know, <laughs> um, but I just, I love the idea. I mean, Rain Wilson is so delightful yeah. in yeah. the role and especially in that short trek. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I want to see that show. And, um, I like the idea. So I, David, you and I, you know, we're, about, we're basically <laughs> yeah. the same no, age we, and grew up with Star Trek being being bred into yeah. our brain. Um, <laughs> I had the same thought, which is like the the Michelle Yeoh thing is going to be what it's going to be. But like, I never liked Section whatever because um, it's a very specific like black military black ops kind of thing. And yeah. like, I don't know. I I feel like there's a spy heist 
you know, there's it's, like a... It takes a thief, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Man I feel like there's uncle. a show out there that is not carrying the baggage of being the black ops, maybe they're evil conspiracy theory kind of yeah. group. Yeah, well, that's so th- there boring. Are more, there are more boring things about um, intelligence work than being the Jack Ryan on the ground kind of thing that, you know, th- there, there are... Uh, annoying functional kinds of things in terms of like finding informants and like being boots on the ground and that sort of thing where, where not ever uh, Jack, I I think Jack Ryan is, is a great example of this. Not every intelligence worker needs to be Jack Ryan because very few of them are Jack Ryan. uh, Jack uh, Ryan is like an amalgamation of like 12 people. Yeah. Also the, the original, Sorry, I'm going to nerd out here for just a second, which is in the books, Jack Ryan is just an analyst who's very smart and has vision and kind of ends up in weird places. Uh, And you take it all the way to John Krasinski, where he's basically James Bond. And it's like, what? (laughs) Um, So there's different interpretations because, yeah, but but this idea and, and then so spies in general, spy stuff in Star Trek, I think actually could be real interesting. And you have to embed in a in a weird planet somewhere. And like there's you do a story arc that's more complex. And I think it could be really interesting. The idea of the Harry Mud, like he has to do this. And it's, you know, it, it, he, he and he's very good at it, but he's also always trying to get out of it. Right. It's, he's it's good. I mean, that that was kind of a conflict in It Takes a Thief was that he didn't want to be a good guy. And he kind of had to be, or he he'd go to, to jail. That was that was the threat. And over time, and, his heart warms, but does it really? You know, and, and every now and then, he would like you know shoplift something, or you know, uh, lift something off someone that he was working with. And you know, I, I just oh, we, I we love... can't do that. I'm sorry. the uh, The studio <laughs> says he has to be a above board, clean, squeaky clean kind of guy. <laughs> well, that'll be the that'll be who they're paired with, right? It'll be Harry Mudd and the and the handler. Oh, yeah, okay actually is squeaky clean yeah harry mud is too rich of a, a thing to just do it straight all the time but the conflict of him having to be good that's yes. what makes the show yeah. and that and rain wilson yeah. would do that so well love it yeah and it kind of reminds me of uh well i have not seen any of it takes a thief but kind of reminds me of white collar um yeah potentially that was yeah. literally that was literally it takes a thief redone in yeah. in the present day it was great nice okay heather you got a second one for us i do well i hear that y'all are bored with section 31 yeah we but... are. <laughs> <laughs> section 31 found dead in a ditch <laughs> I, am, I, <clears throat> I am not um, oh no I it's know, all yours right? it's all yours take <laughs> it go with it fix it for us heather fix it well so there are a couple characters and Section 31, I find I I really enjoy their ambiguity. And their are you good today or are you bad today? Which is Giorgio, Mariner, and Section 31. So here's my pitch. I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. I don't even know if this movie's going to be made. Internet says yes, but it's the internet. So who knows? But let's... So this, we'd have to pitch... The, this has to be after the movie, obviously. But after the movie... Mariner gets assigned as Giorgio's assistant and they go undercover in section 31 to figure out how it went off the rails. Cause clearly section 31 was supposed to do something good. And clearly it's been infiltrated by worms or, you know, who knows, but it's been, you know, clearly something happened somewhere along the way. So they've been, they're assigned to go undercover in section 31 to figure out, 
what happened and do something about it. And why I put all these people together is because you they never really know, are they, you know, they're kind of, they're not really chaotic neutral. They're just kind of chaotic. And in any given day, they're chaotic good, they're chaotic bad, all of them, right? But the combination of like Mariner kind of being a, needing a mentor and Jojo kind of wanting one, but kind of not. And Mariner's clearly much smarter, more gifted, more skilled than she wants anyone ever to know. So she clearly could be much farther along in her career than she lets on. So, it's, you know, somebody finally figures it out and sticks her with Giorgio because they don't know where else to put her. So I just think these two together would be quite delightful. And then cracking open Section 31 and giving us a look into the show that that place is. If I'm sorry if I make you bleep that out. Um, I just think that could be just a lot of fun. And we could meet a lot of new characters and have lots of new places in Star Trek. Maybe we've never been together, or maybe we just get to see the seamy, steaming underbelly mm. of the Federation. And I think that could be really fun too. I think the biggest problem with Section 31 is not Section 31 itself or the notion of Section 31. It's it's that it's it's been used as a deus ex machina too many times. Exactly. And I think, I think that, like, that nuanced approach that Heather describes is... Let you know. Let's let's focus on it rather than use it as a prop, right? Yeah. Like let's let's do something with it instead of go. Oh, it's the big bad evil CIA type thing through which all terrible things it's, have to happen. It's the cigarette smoking man. Right. Yeah. Like I, th- there's there's a, a guy named Tom King who's written Batman comics and a oh, bunch of other yeah. stuff for DC recently. Who was a CIA guy and would like you know get on the plane. To, to the Middle East, like reading comic books. And th- there is an everyday, you know, office job kind of aspect to this stuff that isn't always the Jack Ryan is portray- as portrayed in uh, in moving image media uh, version of things. And and I, I love I love this this idea of going section 31 seemed like a great idea. And then we went to that well so many times that we didn't even come up with kinda, water anymore. Kind of ruined it. Yeah. And it could stay cigarette smoking man the whole time. Like we don't yeah. have to solve the problem, but sure. I think they could be, have a lot of fun trying to find out. I mean, it could be like X Files meets Star Trek with Giorgio and Mariner as uh, Mulder and Scully, you know. But but star- in Star Trek land, so not really that serious and dark. But it's hard to do X Files in Star Trek, right? Like I heard there's a giant space cloud. Yeah, we know there's like four. Yeah. Of them. That's right. They're aliens. Oh, are they? Scully, come on. I like the idea that Mariner is potentially like assigned by Giorgio to be the internal affairs of Section 31, which is rooting out all of uh, all the shenanigans. And because she's so good at shenanigans, she can spot all the shenanigans a mile away. Right. She's like perfect assignment for her. Yeah. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right. Um, I will close up our, our last, uh, second round pitch and then we'll go around and do a quick uh, lightning round. If you've got, if you have any extras, if you don't, that's fine. 
Um, I really vacillated on this one, um, but I'm going to go with something that I guess I'm going to call Star Trek Galaxies, mostly because Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda is already taken. But here's my idea, which is the problem with Star Trek is that they have boldly gone to everywhere. And when they tried to do something that was more frontier-like, it ended up being, you know, the Gilligan's Island problem of Voyager, where they, they to solve their problem, they had to end the show, essentially. So you knew they'd never solve the problem. And, and also, like, as Ron Moore has detailed, like, they, they made it so that they just, you know, they could fix everything and everything was fine. And the Voyager was still in pretty good shape the whole seven years. So I don't want the lost in space premise here, but I like the idea of give us a Star Trek where they are far away from home where they cannot radio back to Starfleet for advice, where they have to make decisions on their own and where they do not understand the dynamics of the situation around them, what, not only discovering new things, but also discovering new civilizations that they don't actually understand and trying to figure it out. So my premise here is essentially there is a new experimental class of ship that is capable of hopping between galaxies and you can go to the andromeda galaxy for the first time uh and that's great but it takes whatever a large amount of time it takes a month to get there um you can only do it so often you can't you can't phone home you got to be real careful but we do want to explore what's out there and from that you end up with a, a different kind of star trek dynamic um whether it's you know meeting what is the equivalent of the federation in that galaxy and are they are they really, or are they more like the Klingons or more like the Dominion? Are the aliens even weirder there? And and then again, nobody's been there and you can't call for help. I think that that dynamic is fun. Um, I'll throw in another twist here too, which is I was thinking about animation and about how we've got, you know, we've got a Nickelodeon show that's now a Netflix show that that uh, is is good. And then we've got an adult animation style, but like it's... It is, it is not the same as the uh, as the show that is the Nickelodeon show, right? Like, it, it's it's Prodigy doesn't look anything like Lower Decks. It's 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 more like I don't know. I mean, every art style is different, but it feels more like. It, does it look like Bob's Burgers? Not really, but again, it's in a very particular style. So what about a different animation style and storytelling style? And I only throw this out there to say, I kind of like the idea of exploring what a, a different kind of adult action adventure animation style might be. Something that you might see more in anime than you might perhaps, see. Perhaps a Cowboy Bebop style. Star it, Trek it, anime. Than you might see in others. And that might be a way to tell this show if you really want visuals that are wild and unlike anything we've ever seen before, while not hiding from the stakes. Like one of the first things I saw when I was a kid that opened my brain was Star Blazers, where, oh, which was, yeah. which is based, you know, dubbed over and redone, but it's based on an anime. And it's like, lots of serious stuff goes down in Star Blazers and people die. And like, there's a lot going on there. And that's what I was thinking is you don't necessarily have to make Star Trek galaxies in live action, but I would like it to be, if it was animation, I would like it to be of a different kind than we've seen in Star Trek before. And I really would like it to be intense and action oriented and, uh, 
wild having the ability to do wild visuals that you might not be able to uh, pull off as much if you're using a traditional live action plus vfx kind of thing because you know this way you just you draw it and again it's not easy but like i think it opens it up to be a little broader and weirder than you might be able to do even with modern vfx so that anyway that's my pitch star trek porco rosso it's the story of a guy who <laughs> is obsessed with building starships sure and it 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 reminds me a little of another uh franchise it, it's as if the experiment it well it's as if the stargate were an experimental ship instead the right. stargate universe yeah, <laughs> yeah. well there you right go. but i again i don't i don't like the idea of we're trapped or we're lost or anything right, like that right, i want right. to be we're on a but mission you go back and forth to you, go fo- like like a while. like an explorer going across the ocean in the days of the great yeah. ocean exploration it's literally we are sending you out there to see what's there it's going to take a while you're going to be on your own and they're not you know oh no we can't get home we're trapped or whatever it's just we have to explore on our own and the stakes are higher all right uh bring out your dead what did we not talk about that you would like to talk about monty uh i have a few i have an alternate universe pitch for my alternate universe pitch where i do all the stuff about how it's (laughs) r-rated then i get to it's called star trek mirror universe and then it's just a show set in mirror universe but they're all getting nasty. I think that would be fun. Uh, also, it says here, Star Trek babies and what's going on at the gangster planet. I did not have time to flesh those out. <laughs> I'm I'm here for what's going on at the gangster planet. What oh, are they yeah. copying now? That's what I want to know. I'm afraid because remember, Scorsese, they're copiers. So that's their problem. Moises, what do you have uh, laying around? I mean, uh, we love Strange New Worlds, and it's it's great that we're getting this look at, oh, this other, you know, crew of the Starship Enterprise, a ship that we know so well. Uh, there's a ship that we got to know pretty well in TNG. That I'd love to know what the life on that ship was, and so I would go with Star Trek Grissom. I'd like to know what it's like being on the primarily Oberth class, uh, like science ship that is always there to go. All right. The USS Grissom is here to deliver supplies and like clean up after the flagships left the more thankless, you know, journeyman uh, kind of ships in the fleet that are out there doing support work. Um, you know, we get a little bit of that with the Cerritos and in, in lower decks, but lower mm-hmm. decks has a different focus than just, you know, the, the overall operations of the ship so much. Um, I, I think it'd be neat to uh, to just have a ship that is never in the limelight, that is doing very important work, uh, that has folks who are constantly just trying to get promoted off of that ship. Just just get me on the flagship, please. How can I get on the flagship? Some of them, and then some of them perfectly happy to just do their service and do that thing. Um, the other thing is uh, is looking at specialized areas of Starfleet. We, we, uh, we had a, a pitch from Jason about the medical side of things. I would love to see something from the engineering branch. Uh, you know, what is it like just following the engineering crew uh, mm. of a starship having to, you know, clean out those, uh, those whatever collectors and the blah, 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 bubble, the field. The collect- collectors. Yeah. Bassard. Yeah. The Bassard collectors. Oh, the Bassard sure. collectors. 
They're going to have to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, Moises, like every week. <laughs> this feels like a stealth lower decks pitch to me. I mean, yeah. there's a series of, of books about the Starfleet Corps of Engineers. Uh, no, uh, what I'm really pitching is is this is the Star Trek IT department show um, uh, where people are, are uh, having okay. to run impossible lengths of Cat 6E cable uh, that just literally don't exist. And there's not enough copper in the world. Um, have you turned it that, on and turned it yeah, off have you turned, have you, People yeah, have to yeah. go to the bridge yeah. and find out what was shooting all those sparks last time we hit something right exactly <laughs> uh joe all right uh so i've got star trek reliant is an idea but it's about captain terrell before the events of star trek 2 mm -hmm. and it would be sort of in the strange new worlds era so when he's just coming up through the ranks um he doesn't I guess need to be on the reliant, but just something about Captain Terrell. Uh, and that was a very loose idea. So moving on to the other one, um, I really had an kind of an unusual idea of what if we had Quark as uh, sort of a, a very interested boss in the franchises, the franchise restaurants um, that he has started all over uh, the Alpha, Beta and Gamma Quadrant. And he has to go there and gets involved in all kinds of shenanigans because of what the franchisees have done at each of his various places on different worlds um so that would be kind of like i don't know funny kitchen nightmare or something corks <laughs> uh, kitchen nightmares <laughs> yeah <laughs> but oh, that's man. that's all i got oh, yeah. man. And, and and that one could either be animated or live action because i'm thinking animated because i don't think armin shimmer really wants to no. do the whole get up anymore but um still. so animated would be fine or he's just in it like they shoot all of his stuff as a frame and then he has his people that go out and handle the missions something like that could work too but yeah i love it quark's kitchen nightmares uh david i got i got two serious ones and two not so serious ones okay um one what if what if the barriers between uh our universe and the mirror universe were getting thinner and what if people could pass through more easily with ships, perhaps warships. And cause I just love the title Star Trek looking glass war. Mm. Okay. Um, another one is, uh, we haven't really had a doctor who style series, David, in Star Trek and David, we have, we have I'm clearly sniping you now. Mm -hmm. Um, we have Wesley Crusher and Soji oh. And, oh, no. and all. Then and you call not. it Star Trek Travelers. Okay. Uh, you know right? you know what everybody's crying out for, David, is the Wesley Crusher show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. David, yeah. you didn't, you didn't send me after all, so stay tuned for my okay. bring out your okay. day. Good. Um, and then uh, an animated show about a ship that goes, uh, it focuses on ecological problems on different planets, um, often on aquatic planets. Star Trek Cetacean Ops, where we follow <laughs> Gary and Barbara, the uh -huh. sweet beluga whales sure. who solve the problems Whale every show. week. That's right. And, they're going to find that probe from Star Trek Four too. That's going well, yeah, to be Yeah, that's got to be part of the story. Yeah. And then I just wrote this down. I'll let you figure out what it's about. Star Trek, Orion's flag means death. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I'm sure Heather, it does. Heather, do you have any? Or were you, I had you just two, have two? two, two left. Two emergencies. So, okay, um, good. Yeah, two more. So one is uh, a family-focused show because we never get to see what life is like to live in the Federation. So think Army Wives where everyone's got a family member on a ship and they're Ooh. doing their adventures, but we go see their families back on their different planets, right? Nice. 
Um, and maybe they're, in, you know, whatever, they're connected. But I think that would be actually pretty cool. And then the second one is, what if one of the emergency holograms had to end up captaining the ship? <laughs> that's, that's pretty simplistic, but that's as far as I got. But I think that would be kind of cool. And it would give us an opportunity to think about this, all this AI stuff that we've been nice. struggling with lately. Yeah. Why don't right. they build the whole ship out of the holodeck? I know, right? <laughs> right? All right. Um, That's it. The pitch that I thought David was going to give, but he went another way. I like mine better. It's called Guardians of Forever. Ah, and, and I was it, thinking about that. And it yeah. is Doctor Who in Star Trek, essentially, where they have to go back in time to to correct the timeline and it allows you to do the time travel thing and visit parts of actual history and also cockamamie star trek history and play with uh play with time travel in a quantum leap-esque sort of way but i call it guardians forever because it's a fun title and, and they keep running into scott bakula it could well i mean when he, he's friendly he, and happy he's, he's in it i mean he could be in it totally yeah a visit yeah. with archer uh, and his dog i'm just getting word Go that you've been sued by harlan ellison yeah, uh, probably I, so. I stayed away from it just because of Harlan. Although I, I kind of think of that. I, I see the Guardian of Forever well, showing up in my Borderlands. I, I, I hate to say it, but you know, Harlan Ellison is dead. Uh, anyway, <laughs> oh, we'll make a deal. We'll make a deal with Joe the estate. Not, is his not just to me, but actually, um, <laughs> I, I have another pitch called Space Archaeology! <laughs> exclamation oh. point. Which is uh, the idea that uh, I love those Star Trek episodes where they find a dead civilization that leaves technology behind or a mysterious writing that might be indicate something amazing that has not yet been discovered. And I think you could probably tell a story that builds a larger mystery, but also gives you a little bit of a, I don't know, Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of vibe. Uh, beta shift I mentioned, which is just uh, what Joe pitched. Uh, so, so Joe wins. And finally, I just have a title here, but you could figure out what it is. Jordy LaForge's Tales from the Fleet Museum. <laughs> sure. That's Tales of the Gold Monkey. Because, <laughs> you know, but Jordy's you don't have got, to take it from me. Yeah. No, Jordy, Jordy's like, oh, look here. We're on the bridge of this ship. And uh, why, why is there a scorch mark here? Well, there's a story there. And then Tales from the Fleet Museum. Uh, <laughs> all right. We've reached the end. This was a lot of fun. These some of these ideas are very funny. Some of these ideas are shows that I would love to see. Uh, and so that's all we can do. I hope that there are good ideas happening in start the Star Trek office, or they could just take these ideas if they want. That's fine too. Um, at one point I did literally send an email to somebody saying they really should just do the next show and have it be uh Pike and Spock from Discovery, and they can just call it Strange New Worlds, and it's literally that. And then, like three months later, that's what it was. It's like, oh, somebody yep. was on the same vibe as me. I love it. They, um, they so maybe, maybe you'll listen to this episode in a few years and be like, oh my god, they did make Star Trek Trek balls. I can't believe it. <laughs> Trek balls. <laughs> All right, but uh, until then, we are going to say goodbye for this episode. This was a lot of fun. Uh, let me thank my panelists again in the order that they were chosen randomly. Monty, Ashley, thank you so much for being here. I've been watching Lower Decks. It's good. It is good. It's really good. Uh, Moises Shion, thank you. No, I'm just glad nobody pitched the Jellico show. Uh, yes, yes. Four shifts. Mm. Who would do that? What monster would do that? Uh, Joe Steele, thank you. Thank you for having me. David Jaylor, thank you. 
Captain Jellico with a crew of Cations. Jellico mm, cats. The Jellico cats. We got there. Done. We got there. Heather Berberhead, thank you. Lots of fun, guys. Thanks for letting me join y'all. Absolutely. And thank you to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. Uh, we will see you in the stars. Ooh. Or okay, next week. 